Welcome to our podcast. I'm Karen Avari. And I am Lula Gage. Together, we are the safety collaborators and co-founders of Safety Collaborations. So we help people change the way they think about safety. In fact, we are passionate about it. And we do this by engaging in dialogue and testing the levels of trust and psychological safety, which are core to organizational culture. Making safety part of your DNA so that your people speak up, show up, do right, and become safer every day for yourself, your team, and your business. Our free podcasts intend to share nuggets of wisdom that will challenge your perspectives, potentially solve a nagging problem, share actions that you can implement, and give you at least one aha moment. We come with many years of experience in delivering safety culture change programs across the globe for high hazard industries. Join us weekly and let's change the way people think about safety together. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome back to our listeners, and we hope you enjoyed last week's episode on conversational waste. If you missed it and are wondering what conversational waste is, have a listen and let us know your aha moment. This week, I thought we should talk about common sense. And I decided to do some Google glancing at what comes up when you search common sense. Oh my goodness, I wasn't sure whether I should laugh or cry about some of the responses. One of the gentler descriptors that came up was common sense is sound, practical judgment that's usually developed through life experience rather than any kind of formal training. Developing common sense can seem like a difficult thing, but you can easily practice using common sense by being more aware and reflecting on situations before you make decisions. One of the articles that got my back up was about tips for dealing with someone with no common sense. And I'm reading this in the tone that I felt the words started off with. Common sense is increasingly rare. If you're dealing with someone with no common sense, then you know what I mean. They just don't get it. By it, I mean everything. Especially practical, ordinary, basic, kindergarten level things. Terms like dullard aren't the brightest bulb, short-term thinkers, dunce, and a few others that I won't repeat were included in the article. As much as this got my back up, the sad reality is that we see this often in diverse groups of cultures, where people are often judged on what one person believes is common sense, yet to the other person it makes no sense at all. Karen, what has your experience of how the term common sense is bandied about being. <laughs> ah, nice to be back. You know, funny, listening to you describe that, I thought, oh, how rude, you know. That also got my back up a little bit, I think. But as you say, it is a bit the sad reality, yeah. I feel that people, and I actually feel that people use it as a bit of a cop-out for not explaining themselves properly in the first place. Or... They've not set their clear intentions and expectations. And what I mean by that is, you know, when we hear somebody say, well, that person's got no common sense. Well, what's that based on? Who, whose common sense is that? Yeah. So I feel that, uh, you know, or it's used as a blaming tool which we see a lot, in, particularly in, in the more blaming style safety cultures. We might see it there, and it's used in that way. 
And I mean, you've already made a statement on what is common sense, but it's definitely a thing. And one could describe it as good sense and sound judgment in practical matters, as you said above. And here is another one that I thought I quite liked when I was doing my little Mr. Google. Uh, Collins Dictionary has to say, your common sense is your natural ability to make good judgments and to behave in a practical and sensible way. And you might hear terms from other people like use your common sense or, you know, that person always has common sense. The problem is that we make assumptions about what it is, or rather the other person's level of common sense. So we make a lot of assumptions around what is common sense, I think. What do you reckon? Well, for some people, you know, and I agree with you there, we may consider common sense as something like wearing gloves or using tools to mix cement. No. But for other people, it's not common at all, because all they have available to mix cement is their hands. And when we were considering this topic earlier, um, I loved what you said, that it's only considered common sense by those of us who have had it imposed on us. Hmm. And in our world, there are a lot of safety rules that are imposed of us. And the longer we're in the industry the more experienced we become, we just expect these things to be common sense and to make sense to everyone. But then we get new people, inexperienced people, people from different industries or with different life experiences coming into the world. And these supposed common sense things aren't allowed to their way of working at all. And what happens is that they don't know that this is common sense We expect them to know it's common sense and it causes frustration, delays, miscommunication and at worst it can cause incidents. And then what happens? We have to go back and we have to redo, we have to explain, we have to fix, we've got to deal with the conflict it causes and deal with the added frustrations. And you know, as I'm thinking about this, it reminds me of last week's topic on conversational waste. And I just think how much time, effort and energy is wasted assuming that what we are asking is common sense to the person we're asking it to. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's worth talking a little bit more about assumptions and assertions, actually. So assumptions are, you know, our opinions. They're based on our judgments, on the quality of what we assume is the way we observe the world or the quality of someone or something based on a certain set of criteria or standards. Uh, Mm -hmm. And to assume is to believe that something without having definitive proof in in a sense. So we often make assumptions based on what we think is truth. But often that truth is not grounded. I, many years ago, when I first started looking at some of this work, I, I think we used, you know, there was a very common saying, right? the truth of the matter is. Oh God, I, I, I actually try very hard never to use that term, right? I try really hard not to make that, make that statement because it's a declaration of, well, I assume that's true, but uh, true to who? Huh? 
And I think common sense is a little bit in that, in that, in that category as well. We say, well, that's common sense. But well, common sense to whom? And based on what? Yeah. So, you know, and I think when we do that, we run that risk of adding to the conversational waste, as you pointed out, right? Because if we've not tried to ground our assumptions, meaning discover whether that pencil really is black or that person actually is six foot tall or the weather really is 32 degrees or not, right, uh, then we set up these exp- – we haven't made the the expectations clear about what's going on and we haven't had a conversation around to try and align what common sense is, if you like, yeah? So – and it's in those moments that we might say, oh, but that is just common sense, isn't it? Exactly. And you look at the person next to you and you go, look at him. I mean, this is just common sense. What's wrong with him? And then it brings in a whole different set of judgments mm. and, you know, ways of, of justifying our opinions and justifying how we think that yeah. – it should be done or the interpretation yeah. and I love what you said earlier where people use it as a cop-out yeah when actually maybe it's because I haven't taken the time to actually ground it clarify and and move forward and at a conference many years ago um, I attended a session on on common sense and I've never forgotten the speaker's words where he said common sense is only common when there is an agreed understanding that makes sense to everyone involved. Mm. So my question to our listeners, and for both of us, is how do we have the conversation up front to get an agreed understanding? And maybe it takes a bit of buy-in, a bit of debate, a bit of me giving up some of my opinion, a bit of you giving up some of yours, me learning from you, vice versa, so that we come out with an agreed understanding yeah. And it, we move forward and it makes sense to everyone else. And I, I sense that to be able to do that, we, it would be helpful to check in on our own judgments so that we can have those conversations. And I think listening is a really big part in this. What are we listening to again? Yeah, I was actually doing something for a client today and I was doing a diagram and and I was thinking about, you know, I think there's an element here of, you know, when we assume things about others or situations, then we're operating from a place of I. And what do we need to do? We need to move to a place of we. So ha- and we do that through listening, actually, by opening up our ears, if you like, but not just our ears. And something that we said in last week is, you know, how much of our own listening to our own listening is going on. And, yeah, um, this might become quite a topic, this listening to our listening, I think. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, because the more that we can settle that down, it then opens up the possibility of us being able to move into a more learning culture and a learning environment. And if we think about that from a psychological safety perspective, it means that we start to make things safe for people to ask questions and to learn from each other and therefore not make assumptions 
lead to, well, that's just common sense. Why wouldn't he have known how to do that? And that's my other thing is, you know, well, now we're working, walking into the realms of shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know, <laughs> all of which get us into a whole bunch of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And have I think we've all ended up in hot water somewhere along the lines with that. Oh, absolutely. And while you were talking about the listening side, it brings to mind that are we listening to what we're also not hearing? Mm. And are we listening to what is not being said? Absolutely. So are we just listening to people going, yes, I've got this, but we're not hearing, can I double click on that? Mm. We're not hearing... How exactly do we go about this? What is the next step? This is what I'm uncertain of. So in our listening, what are we not hearing mm. that maybe we need to be hearing before we make those assumptions and, and can agree that common understanding? And I, I think that also leads to, again, working in the multicultural environments of what makes sense in one world or one world view doesn't make any sense in another world view. And therefore, what's common for me and what's common for that person over there are two completely different things. So as you say, you know, if we're not listening to what, if we are listening for, if we're not listening for what not, what is not being said, then that could lead to lots more assumptions actually yeah exactly. these assumptions get us into a lot of trouble <laughs> <laughs> well you know how we spell assume don't you yes, yes. out of you and me yep <laughs> <laughs> so when i was doing a, one of the coaching courses mm. they introduced a model called orgy o-r-j-i so it's around observations mm -hmm. what am i observing what is the actual reality in this mm -hmm. what are my judgments mm -hmm. and what are my interpretations around this Absolutely. and as a facilitator you you would walk through the door and you would slam the door walk up to someone whisper with lots of gesticulations something in their ear and get up and walk away and then you would ask the group what did you see what did you observe and people would immediately go into interpretation and judgment. So things like, you walked in and slammed the door. And I said, well, I walked in and the door was closed. The slamming is an interpretation or a judgment. Yeah. Because for yeah. some people that might just be the way the door closed or the wind might have caught it, whatever the case is. But the slamming term is an interpretation or judgment. Absolutely. Yeah. You then walked up to the person and you were very angry with them. It's like, well, what was I, what made you feel that I was very angry? You know? Um, and there would be like your hand movements and your body language and your, your gesticulations and the way that you walked away and be like, okay, let's take a step back. Cause again, that's interpretation and judgment. Mm -hmm. And then you ask the person, what is it that I said to you? And he says, you know, do you see that the door is closed? And they're like, what? <laughs> it's 
So, you know, it's kind of like bringing it back into what are our interpretations and judgments and assumptions we're making about things. And yeah, I mean, I won't go into the whole DP for the exercise. You get, you get the point. Absolutely. But how do we bring it back to mm. what are we truly observing and what is the reality? Mm. Because our natural instinct is to jump into judgment and observation. And when we think of safety, it, it brings us to those complete misunderstandings often and misinterpretations and conflict unnecessarily and coming back to that statement, but it's common sense. Mm. I would have just thought he would have just done it the right way the first time. Yep. The joys of being the observers of our own little worlds. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when we, when we look at the world that we work in, and it really is, it can be such a challenge. I find myself doing it all the time. I'll go into a situation and have to check myself and say, why am I assuming that people would think the way that I think? Why am I assuming that people would work the way that I work? Because it makes me feel safe. It makes me feel that I have a sense of expertise, possibly, in, in what I'm doing. But it can also, on the other side, possibly be a sense of ego. And is it healthy ego? Is it unhealthy ego? I mean, that just brings another debate into the conversation. I think there's also something around past experiences. You know, so, I mean, even if you think of the words common sense, we can only base it on our past experience, but we're living it in the present to change the future. So... For, or have an expectation of what the future might be, which might be in 30 minutes' time, right? So, you know, so I, I think there is something around in all of this, our unconscious biases, our values, our beliefs, our past experiences, they all have their little piece of that pie, if you like, and how we might then observe and interpret and make judgments, which none of them might be reality. <laughs> no, it might just be our made-up imaginations. <laughs> Indeed. So we've written a few little tips down here. So we've got number one is appreciate that people are different and come with a multitude of life experiences that may not match yours. Number two is make time to have the conversation up front to get a mutual understanding. And that will also dramatically reduce conversational waste further down the line. For sure. Number three is check for jargon. That's one of the sure ways to confuse people is if you come from one in you know, if you start using acronyms and jargon that not everybody's familiar with. So how do you start to build conversational rituals, I think, could be very helpful here as well. Yeah. Yep. Very much. And then number four is, is there a whiffum moment, a what's in it for me? Is it going to help me be more efficient, safer? Is it going to link to my prior experience? So how do I bring this back to, or how do you, bring this back to making it that this is a value add for not just the situation, but it's a value add for the person. Mm. Mm. 
Number five, coming back to our favourite saying, are you triggering the right response? Are you communicating in such a way that you're going to get the response that you need? Now, that response could be what the action the person takes or what they say next or where they move to next. So are you, how are you communicating and are you communicating in a way that triggers the response that you need? And number six links so much into that, which is, are you matching the message to the person rather than trying to squeeze the person to match your message? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, number seven is don't make assumptions because they Our may just favorite make word of the day. you and me. <laughs> <laughs> and number eight is based on what? is the assumption being made that what you want to do is common sense at all. Mm. And one thing that I try to remember is that common sense is not as common as we sometimes assume or make it out to be. It's only common to your life experience and possibly those who've had a similar life experience to you. And when we forget this, that's when we end up with frustration and disappointment. And on that little segue, today's emotional gem is disappointment. So as you know, already, if you've been listening for a little while already, so behind every emotion is a story, an impulse and a purpose, and all of which drive us to action or to act in some way. That's what emotion actually is. So the story behind disappointment is that I expected something better. The impulse, or what moves us to action, is to look for the gap between my expectations and reality. And its purpose is then to help us align our expectations with that reality. So if we think about this, the emotion of disappointment arises when we realise that what we thought would happen and what is actually happening are not the two, are not the same. So often we think this disappointment means that something is wrong, when a more useful interpretation might be that our expectation and our reality are not aligned. So life is simply not behaving as I expected it to. So when we understand that, we then need to go back and think, well, what would be a more useful emotion, if you like? And there's probably some different ones. So one of them might be curiosity, be more curious, be more open to having conversations that are needed. So when we make the assertions that someone has no common sense, maybe it is because they have not met our interpretation of what is reality. So consider how we can help others to meet our expectations and align that reality. Having a conversation might just be the answer. And you can find out a little bit more about this emotion via the show notes. Some similar feelings is emotion, uh, emo- feeling emotions. And I, I don't always re- run through these, but think about them. There's regret, sadness, dissatisfaction, frustration, resignation and surprise. They are all similar, but they definitely have different ways of moving us. So that's it for us today. And we look forward to seeing you next week or actually talking to you next week. That's a wrap for today. Thank you for joining us today. 
always lovely to have these conversations that matter. We'll be delighted if you share this podcast and hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast platforms such as Apple or Spotify, etc. Connect with us via our website, www.safetycollaborations.com, where you will find the show notes for today's episode. Email us at hello at safetycollaborations.com. We'd be delighted to hear from you. We are easy to find on LinkedIn. Just look out for either Nula Gage or Karen Avari and follow our company page, Safety Collaborations. Until next week, stay safe and stay well. Stay well.